You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about the importance of passion and mindset in selling success, how to leverage behavioral and cognitive assessment technologies, and the power of metrics and technology in sales. To help us, we have with us Mark Petruzzi, VP Private Equity from N3, and Paul Mulcuri, operating partner at Stripes, both co-authors of a new book entitled Selling the Cloud, where they shall share practical lessons and key characteristics needed to succeed in the sales climate of tomorrow, which includes passion, velocity, grit, empathy, authenticity, creativity, resilience, trust, strategic thinking, and technology leverage, and other words I'm sure we could throw in there as well. Paul and Mike, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Right. Happy to be here. <laughs> so before we jump in, we always like to start with an odd question, kind of something for the audience to get to know you. And Mark, I'd love to know something you're passionate about that our listeners may be surprised to learn. All right. Well, let's jump in. And um, yeah, I guess, I mean, most of the listeners would not know that I put a lot of focus and energy and just kind of giving back and, and paying forward, you know, and it's a big part of this book was about paying forward from a specific sales and business focused perspective. I guess most people would be surprised to learn that I love losing. I love losing <laughs> deals, <laughs> but, but there's one word on top of that. Uh, I love losing deals fast. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've never had anybody tell me that before. That's awesome. And that's right. You want them out early. You want them out early. And what about, what about you, Paul? Well, I'm definitely a sore loser. So I, I think Mark and I are very different that way. <laughs> but uh, one thing that, uh, and maybe it's not a surprise, but, uh, you know, the giving back pieces has always been important to me. As a young rep, uh, I remembered many uh, times, uh, you know, starting out in my career, I was able to get a lot of guidance from a few really key mentors. And, uh, you know, being part of this global mentor network, <clears throat> excuse me, and just the ability to, to mentor folks today. And I do that with a, a number of young reps that are starting out. And I kind of see that as a way of giving back. And the reason, you know, that I do it is that I always look back on my career and said, wow, you know, one of the things I know if I get an opportunity to do in the future is to be able to give back and, and, and utilize this mentoring capability and the experiences that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have over the past 30 plus years. And if I can help some new reps, you know, just starting out in the profession, um, you know, it really is a very rewarding situation for me. Excellent. Excellent. So let's talk about the book for a second. What inspired you to team up and write it? So, um, yeah, I'll start with that one. Um, really, it all comes down to Paul's mom. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I'll let Paul give the details, but I'll, I'll start with how it happened. We were at dinner and we were talking about the, you know, the 50 different things that we jump into when we get together. And one of them, Paul mentioned and said, you know, my mom wants me to write a book. And I said, well, Paul, I, I have about half of a book written just from the, the academic work I've done with the Duke Fuqua School of Business and their corporate education group over the years. And he said, all right, well, let's finish it. And we did. And, you know, 
one of our biggest fans and biggest supporters out there is Paul's mom. She loves the book, and we're very happy that she does. That's she, awesome. has, she has no idea what we do, Chad, but uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, it exactly was that. You know, we had this kind of motivation that we had been both kind of separately working on and had notes and, you know, both kind of had a half a book, you know, either written down or in our head or in notebooks uh, for probably a decade. And then, um, you know, we just had this motivation and I said, you know, my mom keeps bugging me, you know, you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. And uh, I tell you, if it wasn't honestly for, for meeting Mark up again and, and having that motivation, I probably wouldn't have had, you know, the desire to do it by myself, but having a, you know, a partner in crime uh, definitely made it a lot easier. <laughs> well, kudos to your mom for inspiring you. I, that's, that's another first for me. I've never heard the inspiration be, be someone's mom, but that's great, right? Wherever it comes from, it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to be sharing that. And, and as you said earlier, giving back that experience and those insights, always curious to know kind of what was the most challenging part of writing? It's not like Mark, you had half of something started, but what was the most challenging part when, uh, when you look back over the experience of putting it all together? Yeah, well, it's um, it's hard work. So it's it's certainly just getting the time with the with the busy work schedule that I already had to do this was was difficult. But I but I was able to get the support of my organization and N3 and and then now we're owned by Accenture because the, almost the exact same day as we launched the book, the book Accenture acquired us. Oh. So, you know, I had the support of them to just understand I was going to take a little less base salary for a period of time and make sure that uh, I did have the time for the book. You know, I'll give you the other side as well. What was amazing about it was really just working with this group of Titans or well, working with Paul too. Although, you know, you know, it was good days and bad days with Paul. Uh, True. You know, and, no, but working the, with the Titans, uh, we, we pulled this team together from the individuals that we have worked most closely with throughout our career. And they, I, I'd love to take them all and start a company with them because it would be, uh, you know, it would have a $4 billion valuation in about a week and a half. Cause they're, just the, <laughs> they're the best in the business. They really, really enjoy doing this. So that, that was the best part. And, and, and what about for you? Yeah. What about for you? Paul? Yeah. I, I think the challenge and, and, you know, looking at these Titans, and a lot of these are friends of ours, you know, getting and pulling and wrestling them together to get their thoughts and, and their guidance and, and getting them, you know, incorporated into the book, you know, I thought was at sometimes frustrating in that just trying to get these folks calendars and, you know, then approvals and then review and, and, and these are not very patient uh, superstars, as you could imagine, <laughs> uh, to work with. Uh, and, and I'm sure I would have probably been the same way. So it was just, you know, a lot of power begging to, to keep their engagement. But, you know, at the end, to have their insights and to really hear their stories. And, you know, I know there's 12 chapters and, you know, it's a fairly small book. But, I mean, if we just took the recordings from these Titans, we probably have two or three additional books of just stories, some applicable, some uh, definitely, you know, I don't know we'd be able to use, but uh, just <laughs> just getting the insights from these folks uh, and their experiences, it was just invaluable. And, you know, to be able to put it all into a book and, and have folks uh, learn from it, I think that was in mostly the challenging part, but mostly the rewarding part as well. 
Excellent. So, Chad, I think what Paul's saying there, if we made a movie out of this, it would definitely be rated R. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find when you deal with with large uh, large personalities and, and people that have made it to that level, titans, as you call them, there's mm -hmm. no shortage typically of ego or color. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You just got to let them roll and you go yep. with it. You just say, okay, I know I could use some of what they're saying <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. this part right here probably not probably but. not <laughs> yeah we, we are thinking about a netflix miniseries but uh, <laughs> you know that definitely would have uh, been a more colorful uh, approach but i think for this time around we got some great insights from these folks and uh, although it was challenging it definitely wound up being well worth it and so in the intro, um, everybody's heard me say, and anybody who listens to the podcast heard me say three of my favorite words, right? Passion, grit, and velocity. And I'm curious how each of these translate for you as you're putting the book together, the ideas that you're putting out there through the book. I think when we look at our profession and, and we do consider sales being a profession, you know, it does come down to those components you you talked about. And, and you know, I look at passion as one of the things that, you know, maybe you can't teach, right? Maybe it's born, you know, in you, maybe it's something that's hereditary, you know, and then you, you look at grit and, you know, it's a learned quality. I think, you know, if I look at my background growing up in a, in a city environment and, you know, a kind of a challenging neighborhood, if you didn't have grit, you, you probably didn't survive. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, the, the velocity component I think is, a lot underrated. It's 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 something that um, really does differentiate you is your ability to move at a pace, leveraging that passion, that grit, all those other characteristics into a, you know, a, a forward momentum and forward velocity. Because this is a tough job, right? As we all know, and you, Chad, work with sales reps every day. It's it's just it's not a fun job. Sometimes it's it's not an easy profession. It's not always the most well respected job. And you got to really have those characteristics and those skills to bring you back every day, you know, to be able to perform at the level that you need to perform to be successful. So for me, it's, it's really, you know, those characteristics. And if you've got them in you, that's, that's a big bonus. And uh, if not, there are things that you can learn. Yeah, and then things you can learn, but there's also there there has to be this. I think the passion part for me is is one of the things that I always get irritated when people give sales professionals that look, right? There's always a look when you tell somebody you're in sales and it's and it's everybody who's been in sales has seen it, you know what it is. And it's that, okay, you just instantly notched down by two steps what you think about me as an individual <laughs> and the profession I've chosen. But the passion for I mean, I can only speak for myself, for me comes from the ability to help people solve problems. And so it's more of that. That's where the passion comes from me than the actual sales. I figure if I can help people solve problems, then we can find a win-win. And you know what? If you're focused on problems I can't help you sell, then to your point earlier about getting them out or disqualifying them or losing early, yeah. then, hey, let's move on to someplace where we can get to a win-win. And so what about for you, Mark? What, what do those words mean to you? Yeah, well, I'll go a little deeper on the velocity side because, you know, I, I had a mentor in my career as well who was an executive who was a senior executive at Ceridian and ADP and had really, you know, an incredible sales DNA from, from those two companies early on. And, you know, I was the young sales rep with an MBA, 
that he, he would kind of look at and say, you know, why do you want to do sales with an MBA? And, you know, all of this has, for me, Chad, has just come together in a perfect way because I wanted to take it into very senior roles, which I've been successful in doing. And I wanted to take it into more academic and, you know, more corporate training type of approach as well, which I've been successful at as well. And, and I used to use the word productivity all the time. And at first he would say, you know, he hated that word. I can just, I saw it in his face the first time I used it, but it came down it, for me exactly to that velocity side, but I wanted to take it a step further. And that is, you know, velocity that matters. So I always would be focusing with him on, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And you're telling me to, you know, make 80 dials in a day. And I'm telling you, I'm going to make 40 and I'm going to do these three other things. And it's going to come across like 120 uh-huh. from a, from a production standpoint. And at first he kind of almost went with it and like, all right, go do it. Good luck kind of thing. <laughs> and then it started working. And then we started using it with the rest of the team. And then, you know, he actually built the business that we got acquired by ADP at that point. And we took it into that division as well. So I just think, you know, we always, the, this book is more about all the tools that will make you more productive and a better seller because we, we got to go on the assumption of with the right mindset, with the right perspective on health and focusing on on yourself to make sure you can come in and work as hard as you need to for the long hours and days that we do. We can help you a little bit with that, but we can really help you with the productivity in this book. I love it. I love it. And so, I mean, 2020 presented some amazing challenges for the entire globe, right? And especially the sales individuals. A lot of people that we work with have a tendency to do face-to-face. They're used to doing, you know, sit across the table kind of meetings. And so now all of a sudden it's all virtual and it's created challenges. And so these words, passion, grit, velocity, take on an even, I think, even more important focus as we go into 2021. And I don't think anybody's making any predictions anymore. I think we've all given up (laughs) (laughs) on on what the prediction would be. But when you think of going into 2021 and beyond and the way that sales continues to evolve, if you were talking to those younger reps that were just coming in about these concepts, what's the key thing you'd want them to understand to set them up for success? I'll take a crack at it, Mark. I mean, you know, this book was really written before the whole, as we mentioned, (laughs) the the whole COVID thing and, and all that. But if you think about a lot of the trends that were happening in our profession pre-2020, these were things that were happening, right? So if you didn't figure out ways, you know, as a young rep to come in and figure out ways to develop relationships with buyers, and if the only way you were able to do that was the old school way of visiting face-to-face, I mean, that that was, that was kind of wavering pre-COVID. I mean, sales reps were not the most invited people into offices in, <laughs> in 2019 either, right? right? I mean, now there's just a great excuse to never invite a sales rep in, <laughs> right? I mean, and obviously coming from 20 plus years on the buyer side with Ariba, trying to really view how buyers think, right? And, and that was always the way I tried to sell because we sold to procurement into a different environment. So for me, it was always trying to understand that buying process, which has been really changing, you know, the last 10 plus years, not only on the consumer side that we all know. So I think the reps of today and and tomorrow, more importantly, have got to figure out how to develop relationships in a new and different way. They've got to figure out ways to understand how to solve 
buyer's problems, how to do the research, how to do all that homework in a different way, in a different environment. I think it's just all really accelerated with, you know, the events of 2020. And I think that's also left a lot of, I'll call it maybe more experienced reps behind that were accustomed to a certain way of selling, you know, getting on a plane, buying the steak dinners, building the relationships the old-fashioned way. And and I see a lot of folks that are in our generation, Chad, that have, I kind of say, you know, to use a sports analogy, they've lost their fastball. And they <laughs> lost it well before 2020. And, and those folks are going to really be, you know, left way, way behind in the new world of selling. And I think the younger folks have an ability to, you know, kind of take some of the techniques that we've talked about over the last X number of years that are in this book and, and really leverage them in the new way of selling going forward. Well, I think, I think that's a, a critical point to think about, especially when you talk <laughs> about the different demographics that we've got across the sales profession, right? And the only thing that they all have in common and they all have control over is their mindset, is their ability to, are they willing to continually learn, continually evolve? And in some cases, continually stub your toe, right? Because that's yep. where we learn the most. And so when when we look at this, right, when it comes down to to mindset, Mark, how, how would you describe that as one of the most critical things or, or make it uh, approachable for those who may have heard the word but not really understand what we're talking about? Yeah, well, I'll start with um, some of those same senior sales reps that Paul was talking about before. One of the things I did in the, the early time of the pandemic was, you know, try to use it as an opportunity to just reconnect friends and reach out and just make sure everybody was okay and safe and healthy. And um, what I found was it was pretty, pretty fascinating. But some of these senior reps, I saw some of them saying, okay, it's a new world. I'm going to learn how to sell from more of an inside sales kind of perspective. And I'm going to learn how to leverage technology to do that and do it more productively. And then I saw and found some friends that were, frankly, curled up in a ball in their living room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, in, in, uh, in, in the worst possible way, not really knowing what to do. And for example, at N3, you know, we're, we're an inside sales organization, now virtual sales organization. So way before COVID, and one of the reasons I'm at N3 is I was thinking the time has changed. It's now not just about taking these incredible, expensive outside sales reps and recruiting them from your competition and get them, getting them over. That I've seen not work time and time again. Someone who is incredibly <laughs> successful at Workday be recruited over to Ultimate Software and be and fail and just not make it or vice versa. So, you know, what, what's really great, it, it really all comes down to, to mindset and whether, you know, your thing is, is yoga or whether it's your, your prayers that you do or getting out on the golf course, it's really about just finding a way to get yourself in the right mindset. You know, for me, it's, it's meditation, but it's not like I meditate for four hours a day. You know, I meditate for six minutes a day and it just helps me kind of, for me, it's like I do that for six minutes and I come up with 15 ideas that I never would have allowed my mind to bring forward that I write down and I spend the rest of the day trying to get through those ideas. Nice. I like it. What about for you, Paul? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the mindset has always been, you know, it's mind over matter or whatever. There's so many sayings about it. And I've always kind of looked at myself and said, look, you can't get too high on the highs, too low on the lows. And, 
you know, especially the ups and downs of our profession, the one thing that you can make constant is your mindset. And the one thing you can control is your mindset and everything else kind of is a variable that gets thrown at you. And for the folks to, you know, have that well-rooted, strong personality, whether it's, you know, learning through meditation or just reflection or whatever, you know, you individually put you in that uh, frame of mind. And I think we did a lot in the book to bring a lot of different viewpoints into, you know, really the different techniques that are out there. I mean, there's just loads and loads of books now, you know, on mindset. So we, we felt it important enough to, you know, make it a chapter in our book and, and, and realizing that if you're going to be in this profession, which is a, um, that's a tough profession. You have to have the mindset. It's, I mean, it's not like going to war or anything like that. I mean, we, a lot of people, you know, equate selling and all these different team efforts to, you know, some type of, uh, you know, military exercise. I've never seen anybody in software die of, you know, selling <laughs> software. So, True. you know, True. I know there are a lot of similarities and uh, you have to be in that proper mindset to win and have the winning attitude and sales as a team sport and all those things. But, um, you know, the mindset is important. And, uh, you know, if you go into it as such and you realize how critical, you know, it is because the customers see it, right? If, if they see an unstable, you know, person at the other end that's not going to solve their problems, they're probably not going to buy from you. Yeah, it's about that trust, credibility, and rapport. And if you don't have, if you don't come across the right way, you know, people make up these these decisions about you that risks mm-hmm. that and ultimately risks the relationship, whether you're aware of it or not. Absolutely. All right. So when we talk about something like mindset, that's something that I I think we can help people with and people can continually evolve whether or not they're willing to engage at the cognitive level necessary to optimize their mindsets, a different question. But when you're in an organization and you're looking to hire these individuals that have these types of, of characteristics, the passion, the grit, the velocity, all the things that we talked about before, I know you're proponents of, of leveraging behavioral and cognitive assessment technology. I would love to understand the perspective and then we could start with Mark. Why is this so critical and, and what does that look like? Because those are big words for a lot of people, behavioral and cognitive assessment technologies. Those are big words for a lot of people. So help, let's see if we can humanize that a little bit for everybody. Yeah. Well, no, this, uh, so I, I love this stuff and I love the, <laughs> I'll use the word again. I, I, I love the productivity that comes out of it. So, it, you know, it's as complicated as it sound, it's really easy to administer. And here's what I mean by that. You know, there's great companies out there. I think of Hogan, I think of DISC, you know, as a thing, I think of a company that I do a little work with, ThinkX. They have these incredible tools that give you the feedback and the reports. Really, the first thing that does is you're able to take the, the, your successful reps and put a put a model around that of how they fit within the assessments, and you can take the ones that have struggled or failed and and put them into a model. And from a hiring perspective, you all know where to go from there. You're going to want to hire the model that that looks like they've they're going to succeed, and maybe not go as far. But but it, it's not everything. You know, there there are gut decisions that a sales leader like Paul is going to make apart from the assessment. And, you know, I'll take Paul's gut, you know, any day of the week, but it all factors in. But the power of this then comes 
You bring in the, hopefully the right team, but then this is how you work with them. You know, by knowing what makes someone tick, to know when someone is a high eye dominant or, or high, I'm sorry, high eye uh, influence versus a high dominant, you know, you know how they like to be interacted with. And I also love to do this with my prospects as well, because there's things you can ascertain even without having a full assessment on someone. You know, for example, if you go into a meeting and you're in a Zoom call now rather than in an office and you see all these, uh, these you know, pictures of this person right behind them with different political figures or <laughs> sports stars and everyone else, you probably know this person's a high eye yeah. and they like to right, go out there. If, you're, if you met with somebody before and there may be a CFO and within two minutes, they just really wanted to go in and jump into the details and, you know, get this meeting done in 15 minutes, then you're not dealing with a high eye. And if you come in with that person and you try to talk about, you know, their, their background, oh, you went to this school and whatever, you're going to lose them right from the beginning. So these assessment tools help you work and work more productively and efficiently within your team. And also, I think they can work a lot you know, with your, your outside prospects as well, just thinking in the right type of perspective for interacting with them. I love it. And Paul, any other perspectives on that? Yeah, I think just to add, I mean, you know, we always talk about sales being a, um, you know, a science today. And it, it really, it's been that way for a while. And I think I, I know working with Mark for years, we've, we've really been big proponents of these tools. Any edge that you can get in hiring, because, yeah. I think you had said before, Chad, it's like a 50-50 flip a coin. Yeah. <laughs> For you a know, lot of people. <laughs> it really, you know, and, and the problem today is there's just such a supply and demand imbalance in sales. There's just so many open positions and not a really high quality of, of uh, you know, folks to fill those positions. So as a hiring manager trying to build a, a sales organization today, it's so much more difficult because you're probably not even 50-50 now. It's probably you know, less odds than that because you're just not choosing from a, a good enough stable of, of folks and the folks that are really good aren't going anywhere. So anywhere you can use these scientific capabilities to help better your odds in picking these folks. And um, you know, obviously once you get a few really good folks, they bring and attract better folks. So it's kind of a Catch twenty two. You start with a few really bad apples. You probably never be able to build a good team. You you start with a, a few really strong folks. They tend to bring and and attract. You know the A's bring the A's. So you know I think anything that you can use scientifically today, you know to help you identify uh, you know the next generation a successful rep, be sure to use it. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of them out there. I mean, Mark mentioned mm -hmm. you know, ThinkX and DISC and there's objective management group. If you're looking for specific sales mm -hmm. stuff and there's, I, there's a whole bunch of them. The one I have a tendency to default to, like when I'm working with managers to help them understand communication styles, what's my for is DISC just because everybody seems mm -hmm. to, to know yep. it or, or at least, mm -hmm. at least be somewhat familiar with it. But I'm curious from both of your perspectives, is there one, and I'm not, I'm not, you don't need to plug anybody if I'm putting you on the spot, mm -hmm. but I'm just curious if there's, <laughs> if there's one that you feel more comfortable with and have found to have a really good track record that fits well with kind of your view of how to use them and, and their, their, uh, their accuracy. 
And Chad, I'll, you know, I'll start with, uh, and it's not a plug, it's actually a company I don't even really know, but I'm learning more and more about them, uh, and that's Hogan. So Hogan, and, and this is where it kind of comes to me, and this is where our relationships and our focuses help us with things we don't even think they're helping us with. And for example, for me, I work with a lot of private equity firms and venture capital firms and with the operating partners within those companies. And I've noticed that, you know, with all the competition out there with assessments, that Hogan is moving to the top from the from the PE perspective. And as you can imagine, an operating partner that's hiring now for 10, 30, or 300 portfolio companies all at the same time, they're really going to put the extra effort on making sure it's the right tool because they're going to have to roll it up, roll it out over and over again. So I think, you know, Hogan is one that, that I would put out there, you know, I can't give you as much a personal experience with it, but I'll tell you there, there seems to be a leadership there. The second one I do work more closely with, and that is ThinkX, and they are building uh, that private equity go-to-market type approach as well. So I think that's another one to, um, to put out there. Awesome. Love it. Thank you very much. Because like I said, there's so many out there. People are always asking me, you know, hey, what do you, what do you think? What do your guests think? So I, I appreciate you letting me go off script and putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get the uh, invoices later. On. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So when, when the listeners walk away from this podcast, aside from obviously inspiring them to buy the book, which they all should do, what three things do you want them to remember the most? And I'll kick it. I'll kick it to Paul first. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we do want them to buy the book and I think they'll get a lot more out of reading through it and, and hopefully everyone will have, you know, something that they get out of. But I think for, from my perspective, if we go into this next challenging year here in 21 and there's nothing that's going to get easier, right, about our profession, about our world, about everything that's that's really going on. And, and if I go back to some of those core tenants of what makes, you know, people successful in their uh, job. And, and what we talked a lot about the mindset. And I really think that that's, you know, in my opinion, I look at these many different chapters. That's one of the things that I look back and, you know, having that, that mindset to be successful in this profession. The second thing is, and we didn't talk a lot about it, you know, is resilience. And I think if we've learned anything this past 12 plus months, it is being resilient. And uh, some folks just crumble in, in, in the face of this adversity and and others just, you know, shine. And I think having that uh, ability to be resilient is, is really, you know, so key and, and so important in what we do. And then I, I guess, lastly, just learn every day, right? Yeah. If you're doing what Love we're it. doing, just figure out a way to learn something every day. And I, I, I tell you, when I do this mentoring, I talked about earlier in the session chat is I look so forward to talking to some of these young folks you know, and it's not just the giving back, but I, I learn something from these folks every day. I mean, it, it, you know, it's hard to say I'm trying to teach an old dog new tricks being at this for 30 something years. There's not much that I don't know, but there's a lot I don't know. And I think if you go into every day saying, shoot, I didn't know that. And I just get so excited to learn more. You know, some of it's just stupid stuff that I probably should have known or maybe forgot 20 years ago. But um, just learn something every day. And if you learn every day, you get better. And if you get better, then, you know, your success and everything else follows. So appreciate thank it. You. Nice. Nice. All right, Mark, how about for you? 
Yeah, and I'll I'll jump around a little bit on it. The the first one I you know I want to put out there, and Paul just kind of echoes it in what he does every day is just just be authentic. You know, be you, and and find your model in selling from who you are as a person. And you know, Paul has been ex as successful as you can be in cloud and SaaS. And uh, he's still talking about his roots in South Philly. And I think that's, I mean, that's him. And that's what he's always going to be. And that is just, it just makes, it makes you more productive. It makes you feel better every day. So don't try to be someone else. Paul touched on this, I think went deeply enough and we, we've discussed it, but you know, the mindset, just do whatever it takes to get your mindset the right way. A little bit of that is kind of, drawing from Simon Sinek and, you know, figure out your why. Why do you do this? You know what? If you do sales for money, if that's really what you want to do, go do it. Uh, <laughs> that's your driver. It's not me. It's not why I've done it. But, you know, if that's it, if you do this for your family, if you do this to be able to, like you, Chad, to just be able to go out there and solve problems for, for customers, which is something I love as well, that's great. Whatever your why is, figure it out. That'll help you get to the right mindset. The third thing is probably the biggest thing I think I can add to the sales reps out there today. And that is embrace the technology, whether you're 22 or 62 selling, you know what? The technology is out there. This stuff is easy for anyone. This is not, we're not asking anybody to go start writing code. But embrace it because there are some incredible products out there. You know, you look at just what a company like Outreach IO has been able to do from a lead generation pipeline building perspective. You know, go out there, find these these this great tech, go back to your CRO and say, I need this. I don't care what it costs, I need it. And if you can do that, you know, I'll tie it back one more time. You're going to be more productive. You're going to have more productivity. And that's what it's all about. I uh, love it. I love it. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. And I'm going to divvy them up between the two of you. So this first one's for Paul. And as a uh, successful sales executive in SaaS and doing what you're doing, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people. It means a lot of people want to get in front of you and spend time trying to sell you something I have no doubt. So I'm always curious to know, when somebody doesn't have a referral, they don't have a reference and they don't have somebody who, you know, you know, there's not a network connection. What works best when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? Yeah, you know, it's it's the thing that doesn't work is the generic pitches. And you just get so many of them. It's almost like your your light bulb just turns off. <laughs> and, I, you know, and so I and I feel bad, too, because you always want to be nice and, you know, you want to at least you know, maybe even educate them, even if you're not interested in buying, that's one of the things I try to do. But when they're not prepared, I just lose patience. And you'd be surprised how much you can find out today about a you know, potential buyer, the information that's available. I mean, we don't have any secrets today, right? I mean, if right. you do your homework, you probably know, you know, my favorite color and everything else, right? So, you know, the folks who take the time and, and I just know some folks who were so good at doing the homework that by the time they got in front of that prospect, the message was so tight that there was just no way the prospect couldn't listen or at least give the rep the opportunity. And that's the way I look at it. If someone has done the homework, 
And they're coming back to me with something, wow, they really did a lot of homework. And if this may be something I actually need, I'm going to be incredibly receptive to that person because they've done the homework. Now, obviously, if you have introductions and you have background and all that, it makes it a little bit easier. But for the pure cold call, 99 out of 100 times, it's just this regular pitch that comes that has absolutely nothing to do with what I need or what I'm looking for. And you can tell that they really haven't done much homework. And then I immediately turn them off. But I think, you know, I'm very open to someone who's done the homework, who is creative in their approach and does something different that gets my attention. Even if I'm not interested in buying, I'm going to try to buy something just because of their approach. Love it. All right. So last question, this one's for you, Mark, we call it our acceleration insight and you can tie it back. I think I know where you're going to go with it, but you can tie it back to anything you've said before, but if there was one thing, one thing you could tell sales professionals that you believe if they listened to <laughs> would help them achieve or exceed their targets, what would that one piece of information, that one insight, that one thing they should focus on be? Yeah, so even though we wrote a book that's very qualitative, I would have to still go back to a quantitative item, and that is it's still a numbers game here with sales. And, you know, the the first thing, the easiest thing you can do to be successful is understand that and be efficient be productive and, you know, your numbers will, will increase. You know, this is, it's, there's nothing else that impacts is impacts performance faster or more significantly in the first bump than the numbers side, everything else to be the best, to be a top performer at a sales organization that, you know, that, that, that a guy like Paul runs, you need to f- really figure out all this other stuff as well, but to increase your, your performance 20%, get back to numbers. <laughs> I love it. I love both those messages. Be prepared and, and work the numbers. I have to tell everybody, you need to know your stats. You need yeah. to know your stats. You need, it's the only way it's the perfect. And that's where the tech comes back in, right? Especially like yeah. you mentioned outreach. That's where the tech and those, those things become so critical for, uh, for sales professionals. Gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Where would you like us to send people? If they'd like to connect with you, talk more about you, the book obviously is ever available everywhere. Uh, is there one particular place you get a bigger cut if they go to? <laughs> well chad the last thing we would we would ever do to try to make money would be to write a book yeah. so, uh, we um we, we know that we knew that way ahead of time so um no don't uh matter of fact we're uh, most of this this what we're doing around the book is all going to charity so um we don't we're not worried about that yeah, you can get it on Amazon. You know, that's the biggest. It's starting to get distributed out to Barnes & Noble bookstores. We've been amazed at how many books that we've sold already. And it's it's not three times, it's 10 or 20 times more than we, we ever thought we would a year in, forget about two or three months in. So yeah, but you know, we have a LinkedIn page selling the cloud. Um, you can get us there. You can, we both have personal LinkedIn pages. Hey, I'll throw my number out there. Anybody needs help? It's uh, 732-616-0985. And you can text me there. We're here to help. And uh, to Paul's point before, that's the reason we did this. So if we can help you in any way, we'll do our best. Yeah, yeah Chad, if there's anyone needs us to reach out to me, uh, you know, I'm over at uh, Stripes. So it's Paul at Stripes.io, or CO rather, not C-O-M. So Paul at Stripes.co. And uh, be more than happy to uh, talk with any of your listeners. 
I love it. Again, thanks, gentlemen. Mark, you do exactly what I do when I get interviewed on podcasts. I put my number out there because unlike a lot of people, I'll actually answer my phone. If it's a robo dollar, yeah. I'm, hanging, I'm hanging the hell up. But, yeah. but, but yeah. you know, if somebody calls, I, I'm willing I'm willing to have a conversation and we're giving them a shot and see how good they are at a cold call. But I, yeah, again, I gentlemen, know. cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Chad. Same here. Thank you, Chad. All right, everybody that does this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Let your kids listen to it instead of spend more time on screens. Do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.